welcome to another life-changing message from Hungry for God Church. For more information, please visit our website, www.h4gchurch.com. Um, how's everyone doing today? Good. So as Bianca mentioned, we are here to have a conversation about community, and hopefully we can get to some Q&As at the end. Um, as you know, in this house, we are <clears throat> on the series of homerooms or the series that's called Welcome Home. And we're in the second, I believe this is the third week we're going into of homerooms. Has anyone attended a homeroom yet? <laughs> this is exciting. Um, and as Bianca said, if you are not able to attend a homeroom this season, we are looking forward to having you in the next season. Um, but we've been talking, <laughs> just got real serious. Um, we've been talking a lot about community and I think that many people have a different, different definitions of community. Some people think it's a, it could be a geographical location or something like that, but can you first give us your definition of community? What is community? Um, I guess I'll start. Um, I think very simply, community for me is two things. It's um, it's contribution and consumption. I think in community, you have to do two things. You consume, but you also contribute. I think if in community you don't do, you do one or you do the other, you don't do both, the community will be lacking. I think most churches lack because we have people who always consume and never contribute, or we have people that contribute and never consume. And I think community is just simply that. It's finding a place where you consume and you contribute in the same, with around the same people and people that actually, that you connect with. Well, um, for someone who's sitting in the audience, they may say, well, I come to church every Sunday. You know, I serve on a team, and then I go home. That's community. That could be a community. But talk to us a little bit about the effects of sort of worshiping together, but not necessarily doing life together outside of a Sunday. Like, how, how does that, what does that look like in terms of community here at this church? Yeah, I think um, when we talk about community, there, there are levels, right, to community. Like, for example, in a church, you have, you have the, uh, you have the guests or the attendees, people who just show up. Um, then you have those who come, like, you know, they make their way into church services when there's big days, Easter, Christmas. Um, and they will even consider this their church. This is their, their spiritual community. Whereas you have those who come every week. They're not a part of actually serving or actually a part of teams. Then you have those who are on the who are in a on a deeper place or a level another level of commitment. And so I I think about the fact that there are levels to community. There are those who are more committed, some who are in the core, in regards to how this ministry or this specific church or spiritual community works. Um, and I think that one of the goals of any community when you realize from Jesus' standpoint is that he said, how shall all men know that you are my disciples? Is that when you have love for each other. And so for me, knowing that Jesus' heart behind us gathering is that not only will we just simply do church together, but we will do life in such a way that if we love one another, that is enough to win the world. That is enough for the outside community who doesn't know God, who doesn't know the way who doesn't know what the future holds, they should be able to see our love for one another and say, I want to know God because of the way you all love each other. So I think that's of utmost importance. And I feel like that's something that we need to master is learn how to love each other outside of church. Because they don't see us in here. No, I think, I think Jay put it perfectly. I think I think that's what it is. Is it's it's just mastering it, and I think it's it, it's for the most part we do it, but most of us don't seek to master it. Um, and 
the thing is, the it's a very simple concept is the fact that mastery does not happen by chance. It happens by choice. So you have to constantly say, um, and I talk, we, I think we spoke about this. I spoke about it before. It's about you have to constant. You have to constantly. Thanks. Um, I'm normally doing sound, and I'm and I'm doing a bad job. Sorry. Um, you have to constantly make that choice that you are going to do the things that matter in community, and no matter what, and because it's when it's most inconvenient, it's when it's most important. Because when you when you feel that community is most inconvenient to you, it's the time that you actually need to commit to it more, because that's actually the time that you need it. So that's the that's mastering it. Mastering people that master stuff, they can do things when it's not when it's inconvenient to them, and they still do it well. Like Stephen Curry shoots a shot, and he mastered it so well that he 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 shoots ridiculous ridiculous shots, and everybody's like, "Why are you shooting that shot?" Because I've mastered. So even though it's inconvenient to me, somebody's guarding me, somebody's all over me, I can still shoot that shot, and I know it's gonna go in. That is mastery. And I think that's where the church needs to get to is the fact that we master this love that God that God has for the world and that we have for each other. That we that outside that it's not it's not a it's not a um, it's not a chance. It's a choice. That's amazing. Um, I love that answer. Um, but let let's talk about the how, like. What does it even mean to master community? For people like myself, I consider myself an introvert. Um, and it's not my natural disposition to be vulnerable with people. Um, and so how do we master community? What does it look like to actually build community? Um, well, you just mentioned, uh, for example, I'm an introvert, right? So... Don't come for me, Pastor. <laughs> <laughs> How many introverts do we have in here? You see, my hand is up too. See, I'm around people a lot, right? But if I had the choice, you know where I'd be? By myself with a book in my hand. Right? Shanika agrees. Shanika. That's, that's what I want. That's what I like to do. And so I think sometimes we have these um, ideas about ourselves that we can kind of like hinder, hinder, um, hinders us from, from stepping into community as if God doesn't know those things. So I'm an introvert, but I know my need for community. So it doesn't matter how I, how, what my disposition is. I know I need community to stay sane, to stay focused, to stay accountable, um, to continue to live up to my full potential. So because my need for community is greater than my own personal wants, I'm going to continue to push in and press in for community. And even if that means, even if that costs me something, I know the cost is worth it. So I just think it's a it's a want to, it's a desire, and it's something that again it, it just starts with us knowing the heart of God that God formed us and created us for community. And I know for me, I've I've seen a lot of people self destruct in their lives. I've seen people go from being really really deep and connected into church to being offended and walking away from it, and their reaction to the offense was worse than the offense itself. Because they never rebounded from that. Because once they said, I don't want to do community anymore, their life was beyond repair. And so for me, seeing, seeing that happen more than once um, in my life, I said, I've made a choice that I'll, I'm going to continue to pursue community above, above it all. No, that was perfect. I, I, I totally agree. We are not meant to do life alone. Um, and when we think about community, we think about how it sort of benefits the church and how we move the kingdom of God forward. 
But can we talk a little bit more about how it benefits the individual? And you sort of touched on that, right? It brings accountability. But what else would it do for an individual to be in community? Like, what is, what's the win for each individual? Yeah, I think the win for everybody is, is going to be, first of all, it's going to be different for everybody, right? It's, never, it's not always going to be the same. I think there's a general thing, uh, there's a general win where the community wins because because uh, like the like the Bible says we're all members of one body and if and if you are a member of a body and you are and you are not there the body is not complete so when you are actually in community you help the body be complete so that's the overall general win the body wins right but i think for you personally i think it's that um and I and I really believe this, and I really believe this strongly. Um, that most of us, the things that we're strong in, um, we minimize it for the things that we're weak in. So, if you're strong in something, there's a reason why you're strong in it. But the reason why you need community is for the things that you're weak in. Okay. So. So, so what happens is the fact that you try to work on the things that you're weak in so much, right? But, and you get frustrated because the things that you're weak in, so don't, and I don't, I don't want to mix this up either because it doesn't mean that if something that you're, that you're working on something that you want to get better in and you're working and you're not getting good at it, doesn't mean that, um, that that's your weakness. It might, it might mean it's something that you actually need to work because it's part of your strength, right? But if you have something that you know that, hey, I don't do math very well. Right, but you're in a community of people who know who do math very well. Talk to those people. Right, those people will help you because they're because you're meant to actually not be great at everything. I'm gonna say it again. You're meant to not be great at everything. Not, not me, man. So, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. yes. So you need people, and the fact that what we what we tried what we have. What well, we have this mentality is the fact that we all must be great at everything. And Jay and, and Jay says this all the time, and, and I and I and I believe it too, is the fact that if you're better than me at something, I'm gonna come to you. I'm not, I'm not gonna be like, oh, I know this and I know that. No, I'm gonna come to you. But the the thing is, what happens is is the fact that we have this mindset that we must be great at everything. And you're not meant to be great at everything because then you are trying to be the hands, the eyes, the feet, the nose, the everything. And the nose and your nose is not trying to be your eye. Your eye is not trying to be your nose. Your mouth is not trying to be your lip. Your lip is not trying to be anything else but the lip. So if you're a lip, be a lip. Be the best lip you can be. Right? And, 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 the, and, and the thing is, and the and the thing is, what 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 we what I want, but I want what I, the reason why I really want to stretch on that because what what makes the reason and, to, and getting back to Nikki's point, what makes you better is the fact that you're in a community. This is what makes this is how you come you become better because now you know I don't have to worry about what I'm weak in because I know I have somebody that can help me. Which is the which is the actually the essence of the gospel, right? Is the fact that where God God says where you are weak, I am strong, right? That his he, he might not be presently he might not be Jesus presently strong, but he might be Larry, who's presently strong for me because I need him, right? Because he's part of the body, he's part of Christ, right? So that's the gospel. And if, we, and if we just actually do that, we won't have to worry about being weak because we will always be strong because we're in community. And just to add to that, um, it's impossible to be in Christ and not be in community because Christ put himself in a body. So I'm not in Jesus if I'm not connected to the rest of his body. That's a drop the mic. 
I'm, st- I'm listening. I'm still listening. Now. That's that's amazing. And even what I'm hearing from you both is that we are all connected to the same God, right? The same God is inside of us all. So even when, like Ryan said, what I'm weak in, the same God that I serve is on the people that are inside of my community, right? Um, and so that's really profound and it's so powerful. And this all sounds so amazing. It sounds necessary. Um, but in your, in your years of leadership, what has been the challenge? Like what's stopping us specifically here at H4G? What are some of the challenges that we face in terms of building community? (laughs) I think I I start, um, I think it starts with just the fact that, um, vulnerability is major, right? It's not, we have, at H4G specifically, like you said, I, I tend to, I want to lead from a place of vulnerability because um, as the pioneer of this movement, I understand that, you know, everything starts in the leadership. So what the leadership models is what we want everyone else to also model. I can't teach something that I don't live. And so because of that, finding the um, finding the opportunities whenever I can to, to lead with vulnerability or show people it's okay to admit your weaknesses. It's okay to ask for help. I don't know everything and I'm leading this and I don't know everything, you know? And, and I defer, for example, to Ryan when it comes to many different things because I know what Ryan's strengths, strengths are. Um, and so I think that one of the problems has been for us in forming community here it's just the fact that there isn't, is, there is no magic pill for us to just trust each other. You know, there isn't just going to be one encounter in worship where all of us are just going to just realize that, hey, I, you know, we, we love each other. We trust each other. Here's my car. Here's my house keys and whatever. If you have that revelation, let us know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, our community takes time to form. And for the past almost now six years, we've been forming community. And I don't think people get that. So what happens is people come into a church and they may say, well, I don't feel connected with everybody. Or I see this people and they seem like they're really close. And, you know, I'm not as close as those three or those four. And then that person may distance themselves and say, well, maybe I'm not meant to fit in with the community. And they feel left out. And... I just think that a lot of times people come into community expecting something to, expecting it to just be easy and and just be natural. And there might be one or two people you naturally just connect to. But most of the times you have to be intentional about saying, okay, here I am. I'm going to show up whenever the church has something. I can't miss three services and then come back and feel like, well, I don't feel close to anybody. Yeah, because we didn't see you in the past month. Right? It's little things like that. Like, if you're not around when the doors are open and when we actually are meeting, you're not going to feel connected because you missed the times when we were connecting. Right? We may not have bus rides every month. We may not be going to parks and doing all types of stuff together. But what do we do together? If we are doing something together, you should find yourself yes. there because that's, where the, that's how the community is forming at this present moment. So that's just... One, yeah, that's one. But that's, that's but it's so major. I think um, I think Jay touching it. Um, vulnerability and priority, right? That's basically the the um, it's prioritizing it. Um, I think for the the most part, like Jay and I, we under like we understand this. Like Nick uh, makes fun of, makes fun of both Jay and I. That wherever Jay and I go, we will find a church to go to on a Sunday. And, I'm, and 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 it does it it doesn't matter. We we actually pick vacation spaces based on churches that we can, churches we can go to, <laughs> because we understand that even if we're not here at age four G, we still need to be connected to his body, and his and and the thing is too is like and I, and I, and we and Jay and I are both mentioned this and we we mean it's like even if you're not here on a Sunday, find some church to go to. 
like it's important. Um, we always we prioritize everything else in our lives, and to, and the God that we said is most important, we don't prioritize Him. And and it's and it's and it's important that and the. I don't like the word priorities because if you have priorities, nothing is a priority. Help us, Ryan. Help us. Because <laughs> here, here, here's, here, here, here's the thing. If you have four things on your, on your list at a party, priority one, two, three, four, five, six, right? What happens now is that you actually in your mind start thinking, how do I divvy up my time so I can do priority one, two, three, four, five, six. But if I only have one priority, right? Everything gets focused on that one priority, and and by and by chance I get that done automatically, right? So so and here and and here's and here's and here's my point. My point is that Jesus says, if you have Him, you have everything. So if you prioritize Him, and that's the only priority that you have. You have everything. And because we have, um, oh, my family working out, da, 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 all these different things as priorities. But if we just say, okay, my priority is Jesus. I guarantee you, and Nadine talked about this too, is that um, a couple of weeks ago when she gave her testimony, when she's actually started prioritizing, listen, I'm prioritizing spending time with God first thing in the morning. That's my priority. And then she realized that spending time with God, everything else in her life started to fall into place. And you don't have to prioritize it. Because it all falls into space. All, 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 all falls into space. And this is why I tell people, no matter what I do on Sundays, I will be in church. And if you make that, I guarantee you, if, if we all make that single priority, that we will always be connected to his body in some way. I guarantee you community in our church will be easier. Because even if you're not here and you go to a different church, God might show you something in that church that you can bring back to this church. Which helps us, right? And it's just us being that saying that that's my priority, God. And just making it your prayer priority. So that one is very major to me. I think we, we take that for granted. And I, so that's just two of the things, I think. And our priority is one I really want to stretch on, um, stretch, um, really focus in on and hone in on. Because I think for most of us, we say, we save things are priorities, but we need a priority. That's good. And I think even in all of that, coming into a community, you have to understand what the community values. Another, I think another hindrance is that when people come to H4G and they realize we don't do church like everyone else or probably what they're used to seeing, um, we look very different. For example, we don't dress up. We're, we're predominantly youthful um, in age. And there are a lot of differences to what people have, what people are used to when it comes to a picking or selecting a church that they're going to be a part of. So, and even beyond the appearance is the fact that there are certain things we value that other ministries probably don't value. Like our value for the presence of God is at, as the pinnacle of everything else we do. We don't, for example, there's certain things, our structure is different. We don't, we have instructed our church differently. I don't get, we don't get up and we don't, we don't tell you what to do with your life. Like little things like that. And when people come in, it's like, wait a minute, pastor's not going to talk, tell you, tell us. Um, and I'm bad at this because I'm so far removed from yeah, that religious. We're both bad at this. So from the religious stuff that I, <laughs> I, I am, I, when I go back to visit other churches, it, yeah, like how long your skirt needs to be, or pastor's not going to tell you that your hair needs to be covered, you know, all types of stuff. Like, no, I don't. I'm not going to say that. And so somebody knows, <laughs> people, if you want to wear lipstick, you want to make up, I don't, I don't care about that because that's, that's not important to me. My, what's important to me is you having a face-to-face encounter with God that's going to change your life. That's all I care about. And how can I help 
facilitate that experience. Because once I know you encountered God for yourself, I never have to worry about you because God himself will do the work in you. So that's like a value of ours in this community. So if you don't know the values of the leadership and you don't know what we're going after, you can judge our community, judge our church, judge our leadership, and then say, well, maybe I don't know if this is where I want to be. You know, somebody was going to leave the church um, earlier this year and I asked them why. And the reason why they told me they wanted to leave, it was something that I, I, I said on the pulpit when I was preaching that they didn't understand, right? But instead of them coming to me and asking me to clarify what I said, they went back to someone else who doesn't know me and said what I said. And then that person who doesn't know me came up with their own conclusion about what I said. And that person chose to listen to that person instead of just coming directly to me. So when I actually sat down with the individual and they told me, and I said, why didn't you come and tell me what you heard or what you thought I was saying? Um, And he didn't know why. He didn't come to me. And I think this is where um, conflict arises in churches. It's because we don't follow the instruction that Jesus actually gave, is that if your brother offends you, who do you go to? Your brother. Your brother. You go to the person. And so once we cleared up all of that, that person, the person is still in the church right now. But um, <laughs> but it's just as simple as that. Right? I think that we have to realize like another value in this house is that we're going to do things by the book. We're going to do what the Bible says. You know, it's not my opinion against yours. What does scripture say? What does Jesus, what did Jesus actually say? Yeah. You know, yep. and let's seek out to do things. I guarantee there's nothing that I'm going to do in this church if I can't find it in scripture and there's no warrant in it, I'm not doing it. Um, we had an issue also um, the week before Easter is Palm Sunday. And earlier in our, in our church years, people were like, where's the palms? You got two. And I said, you got two in your hand. <laughs> you got two palms. And the person said, well, no, it's a church. You should have palms on Palm Sunday. I said, why? Is that what Jesus actually told us to do? No. I said, well, do you want to actually understand that the same people who laid palms at Jesus the week before were the same people that said Teach crucify us. him on now. that week? Teach us. But why do we give our palms? It's just tradition. The traditions of man will make the, the word of God, God none effect. So I take that serious. I said, now, if you want to do it out of tradition's sake, do it. But that's not something that needs to be instituted or practiced or mandated church-wise. Church-wide, because that's not what Jesus said to do. What did Jesus say to do? Lay hands on the sick. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. Are you doing that with your palms? Right? Right. Because we can get busy keeping traditions and, never, and, and actually ignore doing the very things Jesus actually said to do. So those are some of the values of this community. And if you're part of this house, you got to know that we, what we value because that's how you actually stay connected to a community. Yep. Just really one thing, Jay touching it really quick. If I think one of the big things that we, we have here... Um, um, tends to happen in community is um, when conflicts arise in community, it's very important that you understand that if you're in community, conflict will arise. All people. If it will arrive, it's, and if you are in a community and as and soon as this conflict arises, you use it as your escape door, as escape or your way out. You will never be connected. If you always find a reason to exit, you will always have an exit. So what you have to actually do is become intentional about dealing with the things that are coming to you, the issues that are coming to you. The, the, the thing about Jay and I and when we, when we have conflicts and it comes, 
Jay, we will we we will never answer your questions. No, here's here's the reason why. Hear more. Yeah, we yes. <laughs> here's why. And Jay and Jay and I do this all the time. And you, most of you guys probably don't realize that we do it. When you guys ask us questions, we ask you, "What is God saying to you?" And and if and then and then we say and then we and then we ask, and then we, most of the things we ask you when and when especially when you have conflict with other people, did you talk to them yet? Because questions are so important for for people who actually comes up with conflict. They're questions they can then never ask themselves. So what what the things um, um, I read this book, The Culture of Honor, a great book. Um, and Danny Silk, Chris Bell, Danny Silk, um, and he talked about, and, and I and I kind of took this from him a little bit is is the fact that when you are actually in conflict with with somebody, you ask them questions because what happens is that questions allows you to be open because if you give your your feedback or your opinion and different things, and you don't ask questions or you just make inferences, you are automatically saying, this is what I think. And now you're actually bringing up a bone of contention and people will actually react to that. If I ask you a question, if I can, I can go to Bianca and say, hey, uh, Bianca, you were talking about me. Somebody told me this. Right? Automatically, Bianca's going to be, who told you that? And become defensive. If I go up to go to Bianca and say, hey, Bianca, is this something that we need to talk about? Did I do something to offend you? Those are completely different things because now it gives Bianca an opportunity to actually speak to me about an issue she has in her heart. Right? If I actually go with an accusation, she, it, now, it reaffirms the issue she has in her heart. So we actually must go to people with questions. This is why when God, when, when God had a conflict with Adam in the, in, the, in, the, in the garden, he went to him with a question. You guys see this? So as believers in church, go, when you have people have a conflict, go to them with questions. And even in our personal lives, go to people with questions. Don't go to them with accusations or things or comments about who you, or whatever you think. Go to them with questions. All right? That's very important. Yeah, I think that's... Yeah, I think, I think that's a huge important point. And something that Ryan and I talk about all the time is just going through life, uh, giving people a generous assumption, right? Always assuming the best of people. Um, if you hear something is said, even going back to the story that Pastor gave about, you know, something that he said that was sort of misconstrued, Always assuming that people mean the best thing, even even if you don't know, right? Just making that assumption. So if we're talking about homerooms, right? Because we're in the season of homerooms here at Hungry for God. Um, and I know Ryan touched on this a, a little bit, right? Um, what happens in a community when, you're, when the trust is broken, right? Because I know that's a huge thing and we hear it all the time or I don't want people knowing my business or this, I don't, I don't, Want my, what's happening in my life to be spread around the church or anything like that? What what happens if the trust in a community is broken, and how can we rebuild that? Very simple word: redemption. <laughs> um, it's very it's very easy for us to ask for things from people that we don't give. Um. We always ask for redemption. Think about it. Anytime you mess up, you ask for redemption. But when other people mess up, you don't give them an opportunity to be redeemed. It's, it's very important that we understand our God is called the Redeemer. And if you're like him, you must be a Redeemer. And if, you're, and if you don't know how to be a redeemer, you're not quite like Christ yet. So we must understand how to be re redemptive in our nature and redemptive in conflict. And 
because we are, we are all not perfect. We are all striving to become like Christ and understanding that. But when you have the opportunity to actually exercise your Christ-likeness, you must use it. Because that's the only way that you are actually going to be able to become like it. So if, you're never, if you don't give yourself the opportunity to be a redeemer, you will always be able, you always be the person that exiles people and never redeem them. So we always have the, the ability to either be an exiler or a redeemer. And the church is very, and we all, I'm going to do this, the church is very good at exiling people. Oh, oh, I saw you make a post on, on, on Instagram with alcohol. Uh, you, can't, you, can't, you can't serve in church. Sit down. That's exile. That is not redemption. Right? But the thing is, though, you can say, okay, I saw you make a post on, on, on Instagram with alcohol. Do you think that somebody who's part of the church is alcoholic might have a problem with that? And you actually talk to them about it. Because they might not even think about it. Because somebody who had actually have a problem with alcohol in the church sees that and says, I don't want to be a church, I want to be a part of a church that's like that. And, and this is not, the, and, the people, and people confuse this too. They, they, they think that stuff like that and, then being able to, and being able to share whatever they want is freedom. It is not freedom. Freedom is not being able to share what you want. Freedom, freedom, and this is a very important thing that we need to understand. Freedom comes with accountability. So if you are not accountable for your freedom, you will lose it. Because if you feel that you're not accountable to anybody else in your freedom and you can do whatever you want, you are not really free. And so we must be able to do that where we are able, we're, and getting back to the point, is that we are accountable to each other. And using, and yet, Nick, using wisdom to make sure that we are connecting people and redeeming them. Our church is a redemptive church. We are redeeming people from dead works. We are redeeming people from bad behaviors. We are redeeming people from demons and demonic things on their lives. We must redeem them. And everything, when trust is broken, you can't, you can't assume that they did, it, they, they did it out of malintent or, the bad, or bad intent. You have to say, okay, they might not understand or know, so let me redeem them. So when trust is broken, always try to find a way to redeem. Wow. You know how free you are when people are free to make mistakes around you. Mm, that's good. Because if, if people... Jesus said, it's not the offense you need to worry about. He said, take heed to yourselves when offense comes. Unless you fall. What happens is not what happened to you or what happens around you is not the most important thing. It's how you respond or how you react to what happened that's more important. So if someone does something to you that causes your trust level to shrink, the question is, how do you seek, as Ryan said, number one, to redeem or restore that trust? Because in conflict, which is a part of community, in community, what's more important? What's more important is the relationship over me being right. So if a person does something to break your trust, you still need to seek the relationship with the person. See, and, and this is where we, this is where I feel like the church on a large scale. And I'm talking about the church at large. And this is why I went hungry for God to get to master this. Is that 
I feel like most churches, they just get, they get stuck at that level of artificial harmony. Because if the fear of conflict breeds artificial har- harmony. Come on, man. We can't be real. We can't be our true selves because the reality is I'm going to do things that's going to cause your trust level to probably be diminished. I may some, say something when I'm preaching. I'm saying, well, pastor said this. I don't know if I could trust him in this area. Right? But that's the, that's the reality of it. Like, none of us are perfect. So we are going to make mistakes. I am going to make mistakes. Right? We are going to make mistakes one to another. Love covers, though, or what? A multitude. <laughs> Not a minuscule, but a multitude of sins. Right? <laughs> So we, we're going to do things that's going to get on, get on each other's nerves. But that's why I feel like I think another word we want to introduce, especially moving into 2019, is beyond communities that we also want to understand that we are family. Because what makes family family is the fact that we are together not because we agree on everything. We're family because... We have a shared identity. So the relationship that I form with you as family is not that we never will have disagreements. We have how many of you got family members, siblings, right? <laughs> all the and y'all fight all the time, right? Yeah, and that's and that's a part of the love, isn't it? The fact that you can wrestle and and argue about things, but then at the end of the day. I still love you. That's family. I love you because of the identity we share. In Christ, we share the same name. We share the same identity. So it doesn't matter what you do, what you say, that I may not agree with at the moment. At the end of the day, we still got love for each other because you're my brother, you're my sister in Christ. And I'll fight for you. I'll die for you. I'll lay down my life for you. That's that's the love of a of family. And that's the love Jesus wants for us. So that's what I want to go after. With a people that want to go after the same thing. All right. Um, as you mentioned, one of the core values here at Hungry for God is community. And we, that has sort of transpired in a, in a number of ways here through uh, homerooms, through tribes, through different ways that we gather together. Um, but as visionaries for the house, can you paint a picture for us of what the ideal, the ultimate thriving community here at H4G, what does that look like? I guess I should go first. Yeah. <laughs> It may sound it may sound weird. Like I just talked about love, um, authenticity, a people that's real, um, a people that we can talk about anything, be honest with each other. Another factor is a, a culture of faith. Um, and when I think about faith, I think about risk, and I think about the fact that we are we are we're not just trying to maintain the status quo and just trying to be nice, neat, a nice, neat church, a nice, neat community, because I believe that God has called us to be a world-changing community and a community that's going to go into the greater community and make a difference. So that means that we're going to have to try some things and do some things um, that, that will put you in danger at times. Yeah. Meaning that you're going to have to take some risks. And I was just tweeting about this earlier, that risk is the um, risk is being able to face the possibility of loss or injury. And I don't think a church can really be a true church if they're not taking any risks. Because Jesus said, if you follow me, you're going to have to lay down your life, put your life on the line. I'm not after having a nice, neat, cozy church. I want to raise up some pit bulls in the spirit. <laughs> Somebody barked. <laughs> we always talk about sheep, 
and Christians, but they're different. There are also different images of Christians, not just sheep. They're lions. There's a there's there are troops that can scale mighty walls and jump through all types of situations. All right, I, I want to see an, there's an army right rising up. Like these are different images. You're not just sheep. So they're raising up some killer sheep. <laughs> sheep that bite and can actually do make some damage. All right. My point is, I feel like another, my value also is that I want to see a, a church where we can experiment and try things, do different things. If I say, hey, we're going to hold a meeting next year where we're going to invite everyone that has stage two and up cancer, and we're going to invite them here and we're going to pray for them. I want to see how many people are going to show up and we're going to stay here and pray and minister to them until God shows up. That's taking a risk. Because what if they come and nothing happens? But on the other side of it is what if they do come and everything happens? You see? But we won't see the realities and the possibilities of what God can do with a community if we're not going after things together as a house. So for me, I, that's and where in this season, that's what I want to see. I want to see us love like we've never loved before. And I want to see us partnering with God to take some risks, do some things that we've never done before. Yeah, I think Jay touching it is just, I think, I think it's too, I think it's, um, it's radical faith and radical obedience. It's, it's faith, it's faith in things you've never seen. Like, I believe that Everything that we see in our world that we don't like and we feel that can't that needs to change, you need to muster up the faith in yourself to actually change it. Because if you if you only complain about it, there is nothing else, there's nothing God can do about it. If you only go on Facebook and talk about it, there's nothing God can do about it. Yeah. So you don't, so you don't like, so, and it's just, it's just simple things. It's like, okay, so we don't like certain things in our, in our community. We don't like the fact that this stuff is changing our community. That stuff is changing our community. Are you, are, do you have the faith enough to say, I don't want to see that happen anymore? I'm going to do everything it takes to make sure it doesn't happen anymore. I don't, I'm tired of seeing another relative die of diabetes. So I'm going to, so every person that I see with diabetes, I'm going to pray for them. Every, I, I'm, tired of, I'm tired of seeing people with cancer. Every time I hear somebody has cancer, go pray for them. And you might, you might not see everybody that, everybody that you pray for get healed, but everybody that you don't pray for won't. So are you, do you have the faith enough to actually say, I'm radical enough to everybody that I see, I'm going to pray for. Even if, they, even if I don't see the miracle every single time. Or you can say, or you can say the fact, you know what? I'm going, to, I'm going to do it until I see it every single time. You see, that's radical faith. That's like, I'm not going to do it once and wait to, and I'm happy when I see it once. I'm going to do it until I actually see it every single time. Because there is no person that Jesus prayed for for healing that he did not see get healed. Do you have that radical faith to say, I'm going to pray for everybody until everybody that I pray for gets healed? Do you have the obedience to say, if God, if God says, um, get up and go somewhere, uh, go, some, go, some, go up to somebody else that you don't know and say, go to that person and talk to them. He might not say, do something elaborate. So all of us want to do something elaborate, but it might not be the elaborate. It might just be the little that you do, and and what and what we ha- and what we have this we have this this ideal that our faith in order to be radical must be big. Radical faith is not big. Radical faith is doing small things 
for a big God. And having the faith that it's not me, but Christ in me. And we want everybody to have that faith in our, in our community from, we want, we want to see our kids healing people, right? We want to see, but this is the thing is though, we don't want this to end with us, right? We wanted to see, we want to make this a, a church that's generationally, that everybody that comes through that, hey, ten, five years from now, uh, somebody comes through the door sick and Peyton sees that person. Peyton says, you are not supposed to have that. And she prays for them. We come through the day, door five, five years later, Agilon sees somebody come through the door and say, you're not supposed to have that. Pray for them. That's what we want. That's the church that we see. A church that, it, that has a, a generational heritage of radical faith. It's not just ending with this generation. We're not going to have a church that, that's going to be only great until Jay and I, or, or Jay is here until I are here. No, we want to see that after Jay and I leave, that there's still a church called Hungry for God that's doing things radically for God. We're not doing this for us. And, we, and most churches, they do things for one generation. We're not doing things for one generation. We're doing gen things for every generation that comes after us. And, and, it, and it makes me happy on Sundays when I see Preston early. He gets up here with his guitar and he's sitting on the stage. And, and, he's, and, he's, and, he's, and, he, and, he, and you cannot tell Preston he's not part of the band. Preston believes he's part of the band. You can, and I come in, I, it, make, it makes me happy that I can actually sit on the stage here now and I have KC and I have Christian in the back and they're doing audio and visual on, on the stage and I don't have to worry about it. That's the stuff that we are building into. And, and, I, and this is all thing I wanted to challenge parents to. Bring your kids to church and let them do things in church. Because we want them to be generationally, generational things that are actually instilled in them. Like Casey, Casey tells um, uh, mom, tells um, Ebony's mom, mom, I got to get to church on time because I have to do this. Imagine, a, imagine if every imagine kids in that are actually egging their parents on to go to church because they have to do community. They actually have to contribute to the community. That's what it, that's what our church needs to be. It's not the people that we're just coming here to get. We're coming to get renewed. We actually have generational heritage of people that are doing things in our house, and that's the church we want to see. Amen. Do we all feel activated? Do we feel encouraged? Do we feel like we're going to ask somebody out to coffee maybe this week? Possibly. Amen. Let's give a hand to our leaders, to the leaders of this house. God bless you. This concludes another life-changing teaching from Hungry for God Church. For social media updates and more teachings from our pastors and leaders, please visit our site, h4gchurch.com.